Hello. Welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I together discover great music, picking up information to keep jazz old and new alive. My name is Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. Today, more recordings that will encourage us to love jazz, as selected by a number of jazz aficionados, starting with Bill Evans in his trio, Portrait in Jazz. His first album with bassist Scott LaFaro and drummer Paul Motion, recorded December of 1959. One aspect of this album was revolutionary in terms of how it changed the role of the bass, where LaFaro plays counter melodies to complement what Evans is playing, and you can really hear that in this track. Witchcraft, Bill Evans' trio.
Review by Greg Potters of that Bill Evans album, Portrait in Jazz, he states that his music is, quote, perfect for the serious music fan wanting to listen to every note and every key. There are over 12,000 individual parts to a piano. The core pieces support the functional features, the keyboards, the hammers, the bridge, the soundboard, and the vibrating strings. Evans has a way of manipulating the keys and allowing the strings to sing their own song, unquote. And at a jazz camp I attended in Victoria, B.C., Victoria pianist Ashley Way demonstrated how Bill Evans' way of voicing the chords ensured that every inner note in a chord had a purpose in terms of how they related to each other. You can hear an example of those two descriptions as I play another tune from Portrait in Jazz. Here is a Bill Evans trio with Spring Is Here. Thank you. 
Bill Evans and his trio. Next, an album in which Bill Evans forms part of the rhythm section, Oliver Nelson's 1961 album, The Blues and the Abstract Truth, was mentioned on three jazz lists as a must-album for newbies to jazz. I'm very familiar with the opening track, which has become a jazz standard. That's Stolen Moments. In fact, I played the whole nine-minute track back in episode 52 on the topic of amazing jazz solos. And although Oliver Nelson was better known as a composer, arranger, and band leader rather than a soloist, jazz bassist Linda May O oh voted Nelson's saxophone solo as one of the world's great solos. Now that being said, I'm not going to play that track. As I've realized that that's the only selection from that album with which I'm familiar, so I need to listen to more of the album. Moving on to track two, one that is apparently not at all typical of the album, but I think that because it's so much fun and uh, because it also develops a theme from American classical composer Aaron Copeland, it's worth playing here. It's called Ho Down, with Freddie Hubbard on trumpet, Oliver Nelson and Eric Dolphy on saxes, Bill Evans piano, Paul Chambers bass, and Roy Haynes drums. Thank you. 
Down. Oliver Nelson from 1961's Blues and the Abstract Truth. This episode, and the last two, as well as next week's, is on jazz albums that some jazz experts are telling us are great ways for jazz beginners to discover jazz. Their choices, no doubt, are some of the greatest jazz albums ever recorded. No dispute. But I do wonder whether most of these albums are albums that would seduce a non-jazz listener to want to listen to more jazz. Not many of them were albums that would have led me in my early days into wanting to explore this genre more. But there is one that a couple people listed that would and actually did. And that's the Stan Getz and Joao Gilberto album that introduced Brazilian jazz to the world. I'm going to play something from that album later in this episode. And then there's some some of the real oldies like Benny Goodman, Louis Armstrong, who are represented on those lists, and some of the great swing musicians. Let me play a couple for you. This one isn't on any lists, and uh, as I don't think is very well known, it's Canadian vibes player Peter Appleyard playing with the Carnegie Hall Ensemble, who played with Benny Goodman at a 1974 concert. Appleyard, who was part of that concert, was able to get these amazing and very famous musicians to play with him at a concert in Ontario Place, and at the last minute, he brought them into a Toronto recording studio for a four-hour session. For some reason, the recordings weren't released until 2011 under the title of The Lost Sessions, 1974. Each musician picked a song in which they wanted to be featured. I'm not sure who picked this next one. It may have been trombonist Irvie Green or tenor saxophonist Zoot Sims, as they're both featured. Tangerine. Peter Appleyard and the Jazz Giants with Irvie Green on trombone, Zoot Sims tenor sax, Hank Jones piano, Bobby Hackett cornet, Slam Stewart bass, and Mel Lewis drums. (laughs) ¶¶ 
Tangerine, British-Canadian vibraphonist Peter Appiard and the Jazz Giants, recorded in Toronto in 1974. I'm not sure who that was coughing at the end. It's a wonderful album, though, sure to seduce any jazz lover or non-jazz lover. Speaking of seductions, how about Sarah Vaughan? An album from 1955, simply called Sarah Vaughan, but often referred to as Sarah Vaughan with Clifford Brown, as the young trumpeter was featured in every track. Also on the album are Paul Kinnishette on tenor sax, Herbie Mann, flute, Jimmy Jones, piano, Joe Benjamin on bass, and Roy Haynes, drums. This shows Vaughan to be the ultimate jazz singer. True, she only scats on one of the tunes, but her improvisation is in her musical phrasing. You can really hear it on this tune, April in Paris, where the two times she sings the chorus, she phrases them quite differently. And while some criticize her for substituting lyrical meaning for a type of musical focus, I find that uh, really listening to where she's going to take a breath and where she's going to let one lyrical phrase meld into the other creates a fascinating tension. Here she is with April in Paris, Sarah Vaughan. Oh, and make sure you pay attention to the incredible trumpet playing of Clifford Brown. April in Paris Chestnuts in blossom Holiday tables Under the trees April in Paris This is a feeling No one can ever Reprise I never knew The charm of spring Never met it face to face Oh, never knew my heart could sing Never missed a warm
Chestnuts and blossom Holiday table Under the trees Vaughn with April in Paris from 1955 on MRC Records, an album that received two votes as one that a newbie to jazz must listen to. Last week, I mentioned four great horn-led albums from the 1950s that are legendary. I played something from one of them, Cannonball Adderley's Something Else, and I promised you that I'd play something by the others. I also realized that all four of them are on the Blue Note label and sound engineered by the great Rudy Van Gelder. Let's play something from two more of those albums. First, Lee Morgan's Sidewinder. The title track actually made the pop music hit parade, making it up to number 25 on Billboard's Top 100 charts in January 1965. But I'm going to play Hocus Pocus, a remastered version, with uh, Barry Harris on piano, Joe Henderson saxophone, Bob Cranshaw bass, Billy Higgins drums, and Lee Morgan, composer and trumpeter. (laughs) 
Morgan, Hocus Pocus, from 1964's The Sidewinder. Another Rudy Van Gelder mixed album on Blue Note, and one that made four lists for essential jazz albums for beginners, is John Coltrane's Blue Train album from 1958. I put together a whole program just on that album. It was episode 62, but I didn't play this track, the only standard that was put on that amazing album. So I'll play it now. I really like those standards, probably because I'm old-fashioned. And that's the name of the track, written by Jerome Kern. John Coltrane with I'm Old Fashioned, including Kenny Drew on piano, Lee Morgan again on trumpet, Curtis Fuller trombone, Paul Chambers bass, and the understated drumming of Philly Joe Jones. Thank you. 
John Coltrane, I'm Old Fashioned, from his Blue Train album of 1958. I mentioned the Getz and Gilberto album earlier on that's truly one that's accessible to non-jazz fans. Then I forgot to play it. So let me rectify that now. This might be the most accessible jazz album ever in terms of its popularity to people who don't normally listen to jazz. It's the only jazz album to ever reach number two on the Billboard Top Album Charts, and it stayed on the charts for 96 weeks. It also received a Grammy for Record of the Year in 1965, the first non-American album to win. It's a collection of mostly Antonio Carlos Jobim tunes, with Jobim on piano, Joao Gilberto on vocals and guitar, Stan Getz, tenor saxophone, Sebastio Neto on bass, and uh, Milton Banana on drums. This tune was written by Jobim, with lyrics by Vinicius de Maurice, So Danzo Samba. So danço samba, so danço samba, vai, 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 vai. So danço samba, so danço samba, vai. So danço samba, so danço samba, vai, 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 vai. So danço samba, so danço samba, vai. Já dancei o twist até demais. Mas não sei, me cansei do calypso ao tchá-tchá-tchá. Só danço samba, só danço samba. Vai, 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 vai. Só danço samba, só danço samba. Vai.
So Danzo Samba from the best-selling Gets in Gilberto album of 1964. Let's finish off with The King of the Tenors. That's the name of the 1954 album by Ben Webster with Oscar Peterson and his trio of Ray Brown on bass and Alvin Stoller drums. Here is That's All. And that's all for today's episode. Next week, the last part of this four-part series on albums designed to encourage everybody to love jazz. This is Larry Sadman saying bye for now. Mm-hmm.